You are listening to the Mill Sunday School Podcast. So turn to the first chapter of John. And today we're going to be talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And this passage talks about it. And so, um, who's there? Are you there? Raise your hand if you're there. I'll give you a sword drill. Uh, so John 1, 26 through 34. There's two characters here. John the Baptist, and he's talking about Jesus. And John says this. John says, I baptize with water. John replied, but among you stands one who you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. So John is talking about Jesus, saying, I'm not even unworthy, I'm not even worthy enough to untie his shoes. Like, I don't know what the the cultural context of that particular saying is, if you had like a slave take your shoes off for you, because they, I don't know. But John felt like he wasn't even worthy to take off Jesus' shoes. And it says, all this has happened at Bethany, on the other side of the Jordan, where John was baptizing. And then the next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He said, this is the one I meant when I said, so listen to what he says, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. It's kind of in cryptic language here. John saying, he comes after me to baptize, but he's actually surpassing me because he was before me, because he's God. Um, and, then, and then it says this, I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I have testified that this is God's chosen one. Let's pray. Jesus, we give you honor and glory and praise that you have come down and that you are the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And so, Holy Spirit, we pray to you, the Lord, the giver of life. We pray to you, Spirit, and say, be here. Allow us to understand who you are. Allow us to understand your ways. Give us insight. Each one of us, give us insight and wisdom, understanding, experience of what your baptism is, Holy Spirit. We're open to it. We say to you, we're open to your spirit. We're open to you filling us up. We're open to what you would have for us in our lives. So we worship you. We give you praise. And everybody screamed, amen. All right, so we're going to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit today. And we're going to talk about, is there a formula? So everybody say, is there a formula? Is there a formula for the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Well, there's formulas for lots of different things. Um, I'm about to show you what uh, one of them, a formula for gravity is. We're going to do something in a second with this genie lift. And you can see that there's a watermelon in the genie lift. It's going to be awesome. So hold, hold on to that for just a second. You're, you're going to be glad you came early and you're here um, today. Um, but does anybody know who this guy is? Isaac Newton. I hear it like five times. Yeah, lots of nerds in here that know that that is Isaac Newton. And Isaac Newton wrote um, this book, and I was looking at it last night, called uh, The Mathematical Principles of Natural Philosophy. And in it, I I think I have it here, um, in it, it's like this whole book of equations for things. And and Newton lived in the 1600s, and that's what Newton is known for. 
I mean, if you flip through this really quick, you'd see triangles and circles and forces and equations. And he begins with like, of course, probably um, equations that you know, uh, that every object that is at rest remains at rest. Every object, object in motion remains at motion. Um, and he talks about these rules. He formulates definitions and rules for how the universe works. And uh, there's this very famous poem by Alexander Pope that says, Nature and nature's laws lay hid at night. Then God said, let Newton be, and all was light. Have you heard that poem before? This is honoring poem to, to Newton that, that he, in some ways, made these calculations and these equations for gravity. And that's what this equation is. Anybody familiar with this equation? D equals one-half G. What's G? Anybody know the number? 9.8. Yeah, good. I heard it. So distance equals one-half of the gravity, 9.8 meters per second on Earth, and then times time squared. So that's in seconds. So it's all in meters per second. And so does this equation work? And if you put the 9.8 in there, basically you can, you can drop something and time how long it took to fall and then you could say you times the seconds squared, uh, then you times it by 9.8, you divide by 2, and that's how many meters it fell. I remember mer- learning this in uh, high school physics. Anybody else learn this equation in high school physics? I think it's like a requirement. Um, if you didn't raise your hand, then maybe you need to retake high school physics, um, <laughs> or if you don't remember it, uh, that's okay. Um, but it's this equation, and I remember thinking, does this really work? Can we go out and test this? And I grew up, um, at least in high school, my dad was in the Air Force, so I was in, uh, in Germany. We were stationed at a German Air Force base. And so we went up on this hill. Here's the Kaiser Slaughtern uh, ruins of a castle. And we went up on this castle, and we dropped stones from off the castle. And there's like, the cl- castle's pretty high to begin with. And then there's, it sits kind of on a hill on a cliff. And so we were dropping these stones and like timing it and listening for it to hit the bottom. And then we stopped the stopwatch and we would do the calculations. We'd square the time, we times it by 9.8, and then we divide by two. And that's how many meters it was. Like, oh my gosh, this equation actually works. Like something we're learning in high school, mathematically, like actually applies to real life. And we're like high-fiving each other. Like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. How cool is this? And so here's the equation. We're going to test the equation in here, and then we're going to ask the question, well, if there are equations for how God's universe is laid out, um, is there equations for how God works? And so that's where we're going with this. Um, So, shall we test gravity? All right. All right. We have Adam Molesky come up here. So we're we're going to, this is going to be pretty sweet. You're going to want to stand up. Uh, You're probably going to, I'm not sure, so he's going to go up there. And there, he's got a watermelon, and we're all going to, so get out your phones that has a stopwatch, and we're going to test how long it takes for this watermelon to fall. And I don't know if it's going to like blow up and send shards of watermelon everywhere. So if you have nice clothes on, cover up or something. We should also take pictures of this. You're getting a video? Nice. <laughs> It should go higher, but the the dumb thing, uh, is it out of battery? All right, what do we do? All right, we're going to try to plug it into the other one. Hold on, stand by. Okay. (laughs) 
I try to. Hey, we got up another foot. <laughs> Dang it. It goes all the way up. We were all the way up there just like seconds ago. Give them a few minutes <laughs> to let it charge. And then, dang it. We played with it this morning. We were like going up there and testing it. And that's probably why it doesn't work. <laughs> but it's plugged in here. Let's see. All, all four green lights are on. Oh, we got another foot. Yes. One foot at a time. Yeah, get another extension cord. Hold on, we got, we got ideas. Yeah, give me that. See that one right there? Oh, that, yeah. All right, let's see. We're going to plug it in. This might blow up, so if I pass out or something. All right. Well, we might just have to do it from there. I know, but what, about, what else are we supposed to do? Pray, pray. <laughs> <laughs> Just talk about something else. Yeah? It says, turn it off, then turn it back on. How many times have you heard that? It's a good idea. Get a little charge out of it. Oh, is there a hand crank? That's a good idea. So what? Interesting. No? All right, let's, all right, it's back on. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we could do it. In, all right, let's try it again. Ready? All right. All right, I think we, we should probably just do it from here, you think? Yeah, it's building a charge. It's not off. It's, should we... Just to wait a few minutes. <laughs> All right, so he wants to hang out up there for a, a minute, and then maybe we'll get another foot out of it, and then we'll drop it. Yeah, jump a little, <laughs> Anthony. <laughs> okay, yeah. They're gonna mo- they think it's going to blow up, so they're, they're going to move the table. Oh, so you can film it. Good thinking. Oh, because he's... Oh, look. Adam is on the screen. That's pretty neat. Hi, everybody. All right. How, how, anyways. All right, let me, let me greet the new people. So if you're new to Sunday school... Uh, thank you for coming on this weird Sunday where we lost an hour of sleep, and this itself seems like a dream. Um, but here we are. Uh, so if you're new to the Mill Sunday School, welcome. There's cards. You can fill out a card, and as you leave, you can bring it to the nice people that are going to be standing out in the back, and then um, we will greet you, give you a gift. It has Brady Boyd wrote a book called Sons and Daughters. We'll give you a book, and then there's like a welcome CD for, uh, for those, like it's like a mill welcome CD, so it has a mill worship uh, song on it, and then it has a, like a welcome sermon. So that's pretty cool, because we are in a series, um, if you look at your, your 
uh, on your table should be a uh, bookmark, and on it has various, uh, I guess, topics that we started in September. And by doing a theology this way, we're doing systematic theology. And so we started off talking about God, then we talked about uh, his creation, and then humanity, Jesus, last month, uh, salvation. And this month of March, we're talking about who the Holy Spirit is and his gifts. And so today, we're going to talk about this phrase that's in the New Testament, the baptism in or baptism with the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about what that is. And then next week, we'll talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We'll, we'll dive into hopefully all of them, like love, joy, peace, patience. We'll talk about love and prophecy and the gift of tongues and fillings of the Holy Spirit, what these different gifts are. And, and so that will start next time. So um, here we are, pneumatology, the study of who he is. So, is there an equation for how the Holy Spirit has to work? Is there an equation for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, like there is equations for other things, like motion, like gravity? And so, um, let's see how high it can go. So, you turn it back, and then on, and then, and then what's going to happen is Adam's going to drop this watermelon. We're going to time it and see, oh yeah, look at all that. Dude! We got another three, three feet out of that or something, right? All right, so, all right, we should probably do it because my anticipation is growing. So get to where you need to, I'm not, and once again, I'm not sure if there's going to be shards of like watermelon that come shooting out into your eyes and face. So, so at your own risk, you're going to film it from there? <laughs> Okay, so I'm so get you. You can film it, or I'm gonna I'm gonna um, do the. Uh, let's see, t- test. I'm gonna see how long it takes to hit the ground. So I'm getting out my uh, what, my clock app, my uh, stopwatch app. So I'll say, ready, get set, go, and on go, you'll just let go. So you're not throwing it up. You're just gonna let go, and it's gonna hit the ground. And we, there's we don't know what, what's gonna happen. So are you ready for this? All right. Ready. Set. Go. <laughs> that was about what I pictured. It just kind of hit the Now the how are we going to get Adam down if it's out of battery? Oh, that was easy enough. All right, how many seconds did anybody do it? Gravity helps him. Duh. Duh. All right, so what did you get? 1.1? Anybody? What else? Because there's probably some inconsistencies in how, how we do it um, as far as, like, because I said go, and then your ears hear it, and then you push it. There's probably, like, a little bit of a lag time there. Uh, and then you see it smash, and there's maybe a little bit of lag time there. But I got 1.2. Did anybody else get around that? 1.2 seconds? So if we take the 1.2 seconds, let's go back to our equation. There's our equation. So everybody in your calculator, because I know you can't do this in your head. Well, maybe some of you can. I can't. Um, So 1.2 squared, which is 1.2 times 1.2, equals 1.44 times 9.8, speed of gravity, equals uh, 14.112. Is anybody else following along with me? Uh, And then you divide that by 2, 
and you get 7.56 meters. And since we are the only civilized country in the entire world that doesn't know the metric system, we have to convert it to feet. Uh, so it's times 3.28 feet equals about 23 feet. Sounds about right? So how high he was? Yeah? Sounds about right to me. So the equation works. Round of applause for science. Science rules. Right, Bill Nye, the science guy? Anybody? All right, sweet. So we just, in, in some ways, we, we showed that the equation works. 23 feet sounds about right. So watermelon in here. It smells really good over here. After Sunday school, if you're hungry, you could come eat this watermelon chunks. The, the tarp was dirty, though, so don't. Anyways. Um, so is there an equation? So if that's how, and in some ways, the, the, the Newton, when he was coming up with his equations, he said, well, because the, the God is the creator and God is a God of order, well, then creation must be ordered in some way. And so if creation is ordered, then we should be able to find out these orders. And that was kind of his, um, his like, ground, his foundation for coming up with equations and thinking, yeah, there has to be equations. There has to be neat, nice things that, that just work in, in, in this world because God is a God who created them, and he is a God of order. But this equation would really break down, um, for instance, with air friction. So if you dropped a feather and the watermelon at the same time, what would hit first? The watermelon. But if we were in a complete vacuum, if we were in space where there's no air and you dropped a feather and a watermelon, what would hit first? They would be the same. They'd fall at the exact same rate if there's no air resistance. So this equation does kind of break down with air resistance. This equation does kind of break down that we, with our human fingers, are hitting our phones and, and, and like t- there's like a delay, a little bit of a delay between us seeing the watermelon being let go, us seeing the watermelon crash, and us actually pushing the button. This equation really breaks down with, uh, with relativity, relativity theories that Einstein came up with in the 50s, I guess. He said that uh, time is not a constant like we, uh, like we knew it, uh, like Newton kind of claimed it to be, that time speeds up and slows down according to how fast you're moving. So if someone was watching the watermelon fall and leaving in a spaceship at the speed of light, they would see the watermelon fall much faster. It'd be like, zoom! It would, it would fall really fast. And so like, why is that? Well, because they were moving away at the speed of light. I think that's how that works. So this, the equation kind of begins to break down at, at various things like air resistance and if you're accelerating to the speed of light um, or these random things. But, but maybe we just come up with newer, better equations for how things work. So the question is, does the Holy Spirit have to work according to an equation? Does the, does the God we worship, the Holy Spirit, who is God, does he work in an equation that we could all figure out? And I would, I'm, my thesis this morning is that no, we can't have God all figured out. We can't say, here's God in a box. We got them all figured out. Look how nice and neat this little package is. If you do this, if you pray for this long and say this prayer and repeat it, then God will bless you with this amount of money. Or God will bless you with this particular spiritual gift. And it all is this perfect little equation that if you do this, this, and this, and then repeat after me, well, then it all works. And the equation always works. And it's just formulaic. It's like, no. The Holy Spirit isn't this formula. The Holy Spirit is a person. And so when Jesus came and he said, I'm going to baptize in the Holy Spirit, um, and he goes 
to the Father. He ascends into heaven. He sins. Later on, he will send the Holy Spirit. And we'll talk about that event today. We call it Pentecost. But I remember sitting down with my youth pastor back in the day, back in high school. It was in Germany. We were in the, the, the uh, cafeteria for the, um, at, the, at the Air Force Base. We were eating at uh, Robin Hood Subs. Anybody know Robin Hood Subs? Like the military people might know Robin Hood's. It's, you can only get it on bases. Um, so we were sitting down eating Robin Hood subs. And me and my youth pastor, my youth pastor, we were kind of in this conversation like, who would win, Spider-Man or Batman kind of conversation. It's a very high schoolish kind of conversation. Uh, and of course, in that, Superman would win because Batman doesn't have any superpowers. He just has like dumb little tricks and things. Um, but then we talked about, oh, what about Spider-Man with kryptonite versus Superman? Who would win? And we're like, well, you know, you got to compensate for the kryptonite and blah, blah, blah. And, and, and then we talked about more serious conversation. He asked me, well, what do you think is better? He said, the Holy Spirit living today on this earth as it is, or back in the time of Jesus when Jesus was human— uh, and physically uh, on this earth? Like, what's better, the Holy Spirit or Jesus on this earth? Like, what would be better? And I said, well, maybe Jesus, because then, you know, we could go talk to him. He could show us miracles and cool stuff like that. And my youth pastor said, well, according to this verse, Jesus says that he w- needs to go away because it's better that he goes away, because then he could send the Holy Spirit. If you want to look at this verse, it's John chapter 16, verse 7. And it's Jesus talking about um, how he is going to go away. And he says, Very truly I tell, tell you, it is good that I'm going to, to go away. Unless I go away, the advocate, and that, that's who he refers to as the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So it's, like, it's good that I'm going away because I'm going to send you someone, uh, the advocate, the counselor, the Holy Spirit. And it's good that he's going away because then uh, he will come to you and, and, and fill you up uh, and baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.5 says, For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So it's a very good thing, um, at least as Jesus says, that, that he goes away because then we re- will receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So what is this baptism of the Holy Spirit? The baptism, excuse me, with the Holy Spirit. And me and my friend Heath were emailing this week about that preposition. Is it baptism of the Holy Spirit, which I sometimes say, or is it baptism with the Holy Spirit? Well, if you look in your Bibles, it's usually the with, or it's usually the in. Baptism in the Holy Spirit, or baptism with the Holy Spirit. And I think the, just thinking about our English language and how prepositions work, I think that is much more forming to the idea that the Spirit is God, the Spirit is the Lord, that we are baptized with Him, that, that it's not like we get him and, and then we can use him as a tool to do cool things and to do our will. It's no, it's more like we are baptized into him, into, him way, into his ways. We are baptized with him and then we enter into his ways, his purposes, his gifts, his flowing. Um, and so, so yeah, the baptism with the Holy Spirit. How many of you think you know what this is? <laughs> How many of you know you know what this is? How many of you are like, I'm ready to learn today? Um, good. So the, we had hands raised for various things. And so today I'm going to um, talk about that. So the first thing I want to talk about is this passage in Acts. And I'll give you a second to turn to it. It's Acts chapter 2, um, verse 1. So turn to that passage, why don't you? I'm going to read a little chunk of it. And it's the picture that is painted here. Someone painted this uh, 
Jean Restout in 1732 painted this. It's a very iconic picture of the disciples. And can you see what's on top of their heads? Can you see from there? A little, little candle flame or something. And this is representative of the tongues of fire that come and descend on the disciples. And this is how the artist painted it uh, as far as how it looked for sure. We don't know, but this is a, so an artist's representation of that. So if you turn to Acts chapter 2, it says this. So Jesus is talking. Jesus uh, talked about how he's going to send the Holy Spirit. He goes up to heaven. He ascends into heaven. And he says, and then it says this. Acts chapter 2 says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound, like the blowing of a violent wind, like <laughs> sound effects for you, uh, came from heaven and filled the house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be. And so it seems like they didn't even know what exactly they were looking at because they just said it seemed to be a tongue of fire. Now, I don't know if that artist gets it right. I guess that looks like a wiggly little tongue of fire on top of their heads. But as far as what it really looked like, I I don't know. Uh, What seemed to be a tongue of fire, it separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages or other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And then there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And then when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment. Like if you heard the wind and you saw little tongues of fire descending on people, you would come too. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that each of us hears them in our native language? And then the next couple of verses between 8 and 12 are listing all the areas of the world that various people had come from. And they were amazed and perplexed. And they asked each other, what does this mean? This, so there's, there's tongues of fire. The Holy Spirit fills the, the disciples. They start speaking in other languages. And people hear them in their own native languages. How cool would that be? And they ask, what does this mean? Later, Peter will describe exactly what happened here. If you want to flip a couple of pages, this is Peter's recount uh, of what happens. And it's Acts eleven fifteen, And it says this. It says... Um, It says, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. In verse 16, I remembered what the Lord had said. John baptized with water. This is is the passage we read earlier. But you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? So it's this idea that, well, Peter's recounting. I think it's Peter. Is it Peter? Yeah, recounting this story, like at Pentecost, tongues of fire came down and filled them with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke in different languages. And so we could say that that's the baptism of the Holy Spirit, um, because that's how Peter uh, talks about it. And later on down the road, he says, well, that that was, you know, I remembered what had happened. Jesus said, I'm going to baptize, well, John said, I'm baptizing with water, but then later Jesus will baptize with water the Holy Spirit. And so what does this mean? What is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And let's begin here with just kind of a clean slate. Um, Maybe some of us know or have this idea in our heads. Some of us just raise their hand like, oh, I think I know what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. Maybe some of you are like, yeah, I kind of know. Or maybe, maybe someone has explained it to me before. Maybe I was watching TV evangelists and they told me what it was. Or maybe I've seen people um, speaking in tongues, and I was like, oh, is that the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Or maybe it's been packaged to you, 
I imagine for many of you, it's probably been packaged in maybe some very poor packaging. It's been explained very poorly to you. Maybe very equational. It's like, here's how the Holy Spirit has to work. And it's been presented to you in such a way. And so what I want for us to do now is just to, in, in some ways, just kind of clean slate ourselves. Tabula rasa. Um, this idea of wiping the chalkboard clean so that we can write on it something new. And, and, and maybe for some of us, it's going to be rewriting what we already know. But for some of us, it's going to be like, let's clean up maybe some poor theology or let's clean up some poor packaging of the baptism with the Holy Spirit and let's write on it something new. Let's, let's look at Scripture. Let's see what Scripture has to say and let's talk about it. So what I'm going to do, of course, is, is to talk about these equations, because that's where we've been going, this direction of the Mill Sunday School this morning. We've talked about the equation for gravity. We said, is there an equation for the baptism of the Holy Spirit? So I'm about to give you, um, I think I'm about to give you eight different equations for what some theologians could say, this is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is how it works. So this is, could be someone explaining to you how the equation for the baptism of the Holy Spirit works. And I would love for you to write these equations down, all eight of them. And they're going to be all eight. They're going to be very different. <coughs> and kind of the purpose for writing these different equations down is <coughs> to show you that, well, maybe there's not just one equation for how it has to work. Maybe there's no equation for the mystery of God. There's no equation for how the beauty of the Holy Spirit and how he works. He's a person. He's not an equation. I'm reminded of this uh, movie that came out a long time ago. Has anybody seen Dead Poets Society? It came, yes, it's a, it's a, lots of you love this movie. It's a great movie. It came out in 1989. Uh, it's like, wow, that's a really old movie. And Robin Williams, you could see him there. He looks very young because it's a long time ago. Um, but there's this scene in this movie. It's one of the first scenes when Robin Williams meets the students and Robin Williams is teaching this English, this poetry class. And he has them read the introduction of the, the book by, uh, they, they say his name's Mr. J. Evans Pritchard, uh, writes this introduction. Uh, and the introduction says, you can, you can look at a poem and you could put it in this equation. He says, you could rate the poem's perfection by the poem's importance and you can say, oh, Byron's poem may be very important, but it's, it's not very perfect. Whereas Shakespeare is both perfect and important. And you could rate poems this way. And a, the, this introduction goes on and on and on. And then Robin Williams' character stands up and says, excrement, rip it up, rip it out of your book. And he tells the students, like, take your books and rip out that equation, rip out that introduction, because there should be no way in which you could take something beautiful and, and mystical like a poem in the English language and the beauty of that and put it in some little equation to rate how good it is. Rip it up. This idea that we, you know, the mystery and the beauty of these poems, rip it out. We, we can't put it in a, this nice little neat equation like Dr. J. Evans Pritchard wants us to do. So rip it out of there. So in the same way, I'm going to have you write down different equations, and then I'm going to say, rip it up. <laughs> but but I, I don't expect you. To, I won't say that because I think the point is, is that we're going to write down different equations. And by writing down different equations, we're going to say, well, maybe there's some truth to all of them. And when I, when I go over each one, I'm going to say, there's some scripture backing up this particular equation. This equation in some ways is helpful, but if all you have is this one equation for how the baptism, of the Holy, baptism with the Holy Spirit has to work 
well, then you're, you're probably missing something of the mystery of God. You're probably missing something with a relationship with this person, the Holy Spirit. And so let's look at some of these equations. The first one is probably the simplest and, and maybe the easiest to understand. And lots of scriptures backing up this simple idea that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is salvation. That when you're saved, you receive the fullness of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And there's that new life around here. You'll hear people talking about this in this particular equation. It's like you receive the Holy Spirit in fullness. You are baptized in the Holy Spirit when you are saved, when you believe. You, you have all the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you. And you could point to scriptures like Ephesians 1.13. Ephesians 1.13 that says, You were also included in Christ when you heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation. So when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation, you were included in Christ. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. So if we're just looking at equations and how it works, we'd say when you're saved, you get, you get the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And I like this one. I, I, I see this as a very simple equation. Um, I see this as a very um, yeah, there, there's something about this verse and this idea that, of course, when you're saved, you receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit. You receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And some churches might take this another step and say uh, this would be more of a cessational church. We'll talk about uh, this term next week when uh, we talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But some churches would say, let's take this equation one step further, put a stamp on it that says, well, maybe that's the Holy Spirit's only work is to bring someone to salvation and take it another step, put another stamp on this equation. They might say, well, maybe the gifts have ceased. If that's all the Holy Spirit does is bring people to salvation. If that's all the Holy Spirit does is um, bring people to salvation. You have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, then maybe if when you're saved, if you don't speak in tongues or prophesy, well, that's fine because the gifts of the Holy Spirit have stopped with the apostolic age is the argument and how it goes. And we at New Life, you probably won't hear this theory or this equation at New Life too much because we come from more of a charismatic uh, tradition, I guess. And we would say that, well, of course, we, we believe in the gifts for today. We, we go and we pray for people that are sick and we pray that God would heal them today. And we'd say, well, the gifts, there, there are miracles that happen today. We'd say, well, in some ways, God is speaking today. And, and maybe in a lot of ways, there are still stories happening like the New Testament stories happening around the world. And maybe we've heard some of those stories. Maybe we've seen some miraculous things in our life. And so we're, we're less quick to say those gifts have ceased as a congregation of New Life Church. But anyways, um, going back to the, the equation, um, baptism, baptism of the Holy Spirit equals salvation. Um, but then some people would say, well, what about after salvation? And this is, this is a, a charismatic, um, one charismatic perspective that says, well, you fully have the baptism of the Holy Spirit when you're saved, but after salvation, there are, so this would be another equation, after, the, after, after salvation would be fillings or a filling of the Holy Spirit. And so this would be um, like Acts chapter 8 where if you're looking at that, and we will look at that in just a second, um, where um, the disciples go to Samaria, and they find some people who believe, who have salvation, and they haven't yet received the Holy Spirit. And, and there's language like about that. And it's like, well, how can you be saved and not have the Holy Spirit? Well, some people would say, you know, if you're the first 
equation, you'd say, well, they didn't yet know about it because the Holy Spirit hadn't flowed out from Jerusalem yet. The, the Pentecost hadn't happened yet to Samaria. Um, maybe. Or maybe there's, you, you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit when you're saved, but later on there's fillings of the Holy Spirit. And maybe you receive gifts later. Maybe you receive uh, a, a, a prophetic word later in your life. Maybe you have this awesome experience of God later, after salvation, and so there's post-salvation experiences, but you wouldn't call that a baptism of the Holy Spirit. You call it a filling of the Holy Spirit, or fillings, if if it happens more than once after salvation. So does that equation make sense? Yeah, somewhat. And then maybe there's there's other uh, charismatic or Pentecostal churches that say the the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a secondary event. How many of you have heard it put that way? So you get saved, and then maybe afterwards, you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so here's a whole other equation. So uh, I put baptism of the Holy Spirit equals salvation, secondary ex- experience, question mark. And so most people would say, um, not most people, most, some charismatics, Pentecostal churches would say, we believe that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a secondary experience. And they'd say, look at Acts chapter 8, and you could look at it now if you want. Acts chapter 8, verse 14, says something like this. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When Peter and John arrived there, they prayed for the new believers, so they were already believers, um, that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized into the name of Jesus. And so if they're, okay, they're baptized in the name of Jesus, they believe, but the Holy Spirit hadn't come on them. And then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and then they received the Holy Spirit. So, so is that the baptism of the Holy Spirit? So in, in this equation that some charismatic, some Pentecostals would say, it's a secondary experience. And I'm sure some of you have heard it explained this way. That you are saved and you receive the Holy Spirit um, or you, you receive salvation. And then when someone prays for you, um, then you can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And some might even say, well, Acts chapter 8 verse 15 says that the disciples prayed for the new believers uh, and then they laid their hands on them. So some people would say, oh, there's an addition to this equation that says that if you get saved and you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, well, then one equation is uh, you get salvation, then someone prays over you and they have to lay their hands on you and then there's some sort of sign. And so here's how this equation goes, that there's some sort of sign that says you got the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And what's interesting about this Acts chapter 8 is it doesn't say they spoke in tongues. It just says um, that Simon, and Simon's this like bad guy, this witch warlock guy, I guess, uh, like a Harry Potter dude. Um, Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands. And then he offers them 